Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Dustin and Sarah in the studio today. Sarah, how are you on this fine morning? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. I think we're just going to dive into it because there's been some, I don't want to say some automotive related things going on, but uh, we had some stranded motorists this week, uh, I believe. Yeah, so one of the big stories for this week was the I-95 traffic jam out in Virginia. And basically what happened was there was, I believe, six semis that crashed into each other. They had I don't even know how much snow, but they were not prepared. And depending on where they were at, what I saw was anywhere from six to 12 inches in that area. Yeah. But I think it started kind of as a rainy ice from what I was seeing on the news, and yep. then it started sticking. Yes. So it, that was a bad deal for everybody. And it ended up closing that highway from exits 152 to 104, which is roughly about 50 miles. Wow. Now, some motorists were stranded for over 24 hours. So riddle me this, Sarah. Um, if you were in this situation today, like on the way home, knock on wood, just this is scenario discussion. Could you sustain in your car for 24 hours if you were stuck on the side of the road? I do have an emergency kit. Okay, so good, good. for a little bit, yes. Okay. But man, I couldn't imagine if somebody who wasn't prepared for that, if they yeah. didn't have a blanket in their car or any water or snacks, yeah. anything like that, that would be brutal. It would be awful. And hopefully most of their vehicles were able to idle for that amount of time, or at least they could keep them running. I think a fair amount of them just did leave them and they got, you know, walked or trekked out depending on where they were at to get help. But, uh, you know, that is a huge logistics to try and figure out, A, if it's just you and how you get out of there, and B, whoever's orchestrating, you know, getting the wrecks taken care of and getting people off the road. Um, that would be a big deal. I can only imagine having to go through that. So if you're out there, um, I looked on the way here when I was getting out of the truck. I've only got about a quarter tank worth of fuel in the truck right now. So that's something to be mindful. I think that, you know, that's the point where I usually try and fill up for other reasons. But, uh, you know, I'm not a run your vehicle on empty kind of person. So other than that, do you keep any other preparedness things in your car, flashlight, drinks, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I have a empty gas can in there oh, right wow. now. Impressive. Yep. I have a couple of blankets because I get cold really easy That's as good. well as a couple of different jackets. Nice. I have gloves in there and a wrap that goes around my ears to keep mm-hmm. my ears warm. I think I have a couple of different water bottles. I typically bring one with me whenever I come to the station good. or just in Springfield in general. And I usually fill it up on my way home. So I do have some type of water with me and me being pregnant, yep. I do have tons of snacks in the car. That's so great. I'm pretty sure I have a headlamp in there as well, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that I left in there. It was the husband. <laughs> <laughs> but That's I think that I've got a really good start to a uh, winter prepared sure. kit. Well, and on top of that, you know, I can talk like from the mechanical side of it, you know, we've pretty much gone through your vehicle in the last six months from stem to stern. I mean, new fluids, new coolant, you know, we really worked it over um, for it to be, you know, pretty well prepared. Um, Something that does kind of sneak up on us uh, that's a big test kind of this time of year is always the battery situation. So, you know, as you folks get out there and crank up your vehicle, kind of listen very closely to it. 
and you'll notice whether it seems like it struggles a little bit more or if it just lights off. If it's struggling at all, that's putting more stress on your alternators, your starting and charging system, basically, um, and it's going to cause damage on those components as well. So if you hear it struggling, and I'm not talking if it's, you know, minus, you know, whatever out there if it's in single digits it's normal to be a little bit sluggish but for the most part it should light off pretty quick and fairly easy so be mindful of that's just kind of an insider tip i notice it a lot because i hear so many cars start over and over again you get accustomed to what they sound like so this is going to be a i guess a forecast question do you think that uh, we're going to see a lot of snow this year you know i'm a proponent i do like snow i enjoy it i think it's pretty and what not? What, what are your thoughts? You I don't know. I didn't read it? my uh, Farmer's Farm- Almanac. I <laughs> I, as a kid, I always thought that was just the coolest thing that they would like make predictions. And, you know, as I got older, I know that, you know, sometimes they miss the mark, but so does the Weather Channel. So it just happens. Um, do you get into any wise tales about like predicting winter, like um, the persimmon seed? Have you ever heard that one? I don't think so. So this is one I've actually found to be fairly accurate. And, you know, you guys can write in or message in if you guys think I'm full of of poo. But basically, you get a persimmon seed off a persimmons tree and you cut it open. And what I found is a straight raised, uh, straight razor blade usually is the best. And there'll either be a fork, a spoon, or a knife in there. And so far, I've seen the years that we've had significant snow, it's a spoon. And the spoon basically says you're going to be shoveling. The fork's a mild winter. And then the knife is bone-chilling cold from the way I understand it. So. It is, uh, it's been a really neat thing. I had a technician that worked for us. He's retired at this point, but he would bring me persimmon seeds every year and we'd cut them open in the shops and, you know, make a prediction of what it is. And so far that's been probably the best old wise tale that I think that is fairly accurate. So did you do one this year? I haven't. He's like I said, he's retired. So oh, you got to get one. I know then. I need to come up with a persimmon tree or persimmon seed somewhere and see what was in there. But uh, we did it for many years, Wally. We worked together probably six or eight years, and uh, every year it was pretty spot on. We had a bunch of mild years, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, with the exception of last year, we got a little bit of snow. But prior to that, we hadn't had snow in like five years. So it all uh, all comes full circle. It's definitely, uh, you know, something, you know, ebb and flows or cyclical, if you will. So uh, as we get into winter, are you doing anything different? Do you guys park your car inside a garage, carport, anything like that? I do have a carport. Ryan occasionally will park it in the garage, mm-hmm. but not too terribly often. But I always park in the carport. I don't like shoveling snow and yeah, ice. It stinks. Uh, we have a garage. There's too much crap in there for us <laughs> to park. So uh, it definitely sits outside. You know, we got four wheelers and ATVs sitting in the garage. But uh, if it's single digits, I definitely recommend if you can get it into the garage, that's going to help you guys. But the carport's awesome. I really probably should invest in one of those because I hate scraping the windows as well. You know, I'm a big stickler on, on making sure they're clean, but I'd much rather they just, you know, be in good shape because it's under a carport. So uh, have you, uh, I guess you've got uh, your front wheel drive car, so mm-hmm. it does pretty well. And then I noticed you and Ryan have some weight in the bed of the truck. That's probably his, it's something Ryan's done yeah. for years to make sure that the bed of the pickup's got some extra weight in it. Yeah, and that was from a couple of weeks ago when mm-hmm. it got kind of crummy out and there was supposed to be some freezing rain and things like yeah. that. So we really kind of wanted to test the roads out in our area and he ended up going to Buffalo and back and nice. the roads were pretty good so that was a positive but we did put that extra weight in there just in case. I have a lot of customers over the years that I've seen they do the same thing. Usually it's 
tubes of sand or mm-hmm. it's you know uh, firewood is a lot of times that's what i always used as a right. kid i'd i'd rick some some wood up in the back but uh that's always a good thing i did do a little checking um we see a lot of tire pressure monitor lights this time of year now i know you've got some new tires on your vehicle but for every uh 10 degrees as the temperature drops, you lose one PSI of pressure in your tire. So if you're having a low pressure tire light and you see the temperature dipping down like it's it's doing right now, a lot of that's just due to the temperature. So making sure it's topped off, um, you know, at, at whatever temperature, and then you'll have to adjust it. You know, you really should do that with any temperature swing. If, you know, it goes to 70 tomorrow, which here in Missouri, it very well could at any point in time. I don't foresee that happening today, but uh, you need to adjust that tire pressure as well as making sure they're adequately inflated. So if it is very slick outside, you can underinflate the tires just a little bit. It'll get a little bit better grip. That's kind of an off-road um, thing that folks do when they're four-wheeling, but definitely something that uh, you need to keep the correct tire pressure in. You know, for your big trucks out there that are running 70, 80 PSI, I'd probably back those off just a little bit to give you a little bit more traction. That will help as well. Most of the passenger cars are pretty pliable. I usually don't, you know, bring them down too far. But all of those are going to be things that help you. Um, a good set of wiper blades, good washer fluid with a good strong mixture is going to help big time to make sure that you keep that freezing per- uh, precipitation off the window. The alcohol content, or actually it's methanol that, that is the active ingredient in washer fluid, makes a big, big difference. So make sure you're in good shape there, along with good wipers. I usually uh, make sure that I do replace the wipers. I'm trying to think right now how long it's been. I probably am due for a set. Uh, but turning the wipers off when you stop is a big thing. That wrecks a lot of wiper transmissions. And they're undue repairs that we end up seeing this time of year in the shops for a lot of folks out there, uh, window regulators as well. Are you one that uh, when the window's frozen, do you just keep pushing the buttons? No. <laughs> Good. Uh, I actually had a technician, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, it, his window regulator broke. It was cable operated. Oh, it no. was cold. Uh, you know, I'm assuming he didn't lean on the button, but, you know, he was trying to roll it down. So when he showed up to work yesterday, uh, he's got a late model Camaro, very nice car. Uh, the window was down the whole way to work and he lived a pretty good way to work. And so he was definitely like, man. So thankfully I believe he got it fixed towards the end of the day. Parts were available, but very important to make sure that you don't continue to try and work those things or those items when they're frozen. Cause the little plastic will give out and then you're in a bad spot. So Sarah and I are going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm just a guy with the girl everybody wants to know. All right, welcome back. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Give a little winter car talk, I guess. So, Sarah, I'm sure you've seen this. I can't be the only one. And to be honest, I probably have been the one to do it. But you're you're motoring along there. You're doing you know 30 or 40. You're being super safe. And then you see Bubba in his jacked up four wheel drive truck just right on by. You ever see that? Oh, yeah. And I'm a granny driver. <laughs> I really am. So I do apologize if you get behind me, but I it freaks me out driving in snow and ice. Well, and, and it should, you know, it, it's something to be proactive about. But just because you got a four wheel drive and I'm basically kind of a little bit pot kettle black thing right here. Uh, I have done it in the past. 
you know, been frustrated with slow drivers and I got my full wheel drive and I hammer down. And then later I get that like pucker factor where like, oh, you know, I'm, just because you got full wheel drive doesn't mean you can stop or steer. Mm-hmm. Just because you can go doesn't mean that you should essentially. And so I guess as I've gotten older, hopefully I've grown up some, but I still see that from time to time. Like if, you know, you got your truck and it's lifted and you got your super swampers on there. You know, you think you can do like, you know, the regular speed limit while everybody else is doing 30 and 40 miles an hour. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Have you ever wrecked on ice before? That's a good question. Um, I think probably uh, the one time I can think of, uh, I was 16, I think. Uh, I've never told this story to anybody. I was in my dad's Suburban. Uh-oh. Uh, they told me not to go and I was going to see some people. And uh, it was black ice, actually. So this was my first experience. I was in Marionville. It was on a dirt road. And I was going, it was, I have no idea what time. It was dark, I remember. Um, And I came up to a T intersection. And obviously the black ice and the suburban didn't get along very well. So I slid the front end off into that intersection into a pretty deep ditch. And I can remember rocking it back and forth until the tires got hot enough to melt the ice and I was able to get myself out, so I didn't have to call my dad and tell him what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, Sarah, you're you're this is uh you're dragging the confessions out of me, I suppose. Oh man! So, have you ever wrecked on ice? I have. Okay. I think that's probably where my fear is ah. of you know I take a little bit extra time, but I was probably about sixteen or seventeen okay. as well, and I was at Glenstone and Forty Four. There's like a Conoco station there, yeah. and anyways, I. There's a, what road is that? It leads into like Norton Road. Okay. Yeah. I believe that's what that road is. Over by the fairgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyways, it just turned red and mm. I went skidding through it and I hit the median and oh I gosh. jumped the median of it and I hit a sign. Oh no. And the sign is what stopped me ultimately. <laughs> but if I wouldn't have hit that sign, I would have hit the guardrail and possibly went over onto 44. Holy cow. And it was black ice as well mm-hmm. and it didn't look terrible out. I believe it was like right there at that freezing temperature. And I wasn't even going that fast, but it really can get a hold of you. Oh, yeah. And that was the scariest thing. And luckily there was a couple of guys that got out of their vehicle they saw me do this obviously and they got out and they helped actually get me off of the median and thankfully there was no damage to my car oh my gosh you got very lucky yes so luckily no damage and it was just it it scarred me for life it was very scary you know that i think that's a good lesson to learn as a young driver i know that it gave me or forced me to have a lot more respect Mm -hmm. a for what my parents said which i should have listened to and didn't (laughs) And B, you know, for the weather conditions, just because I'm in a hurry doesn't mean that, you know, I got to push it and, you know, potentially not make it at all. So as I continue to think about winter weather, I enjoy driving in slick and and rainy conditions. My dad played a lot as a kid. So we would do donuts in the parking lots and, you know, have fun. And so I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that, but that, that playing, if you will, taught me a lot about how to correct or what to do in those situations. Um, modern cars have anti-lock brakes and stability control. Your car does, Ryan's truck does, you know, pretty much everybody's late model stuff does. That helps you stay in control, but you still have to steer into the slide. Um, you've got to work your brakes correctly and, and hopefully be able to control that situation. But Mainly, to, to your point, is not put yourself in that situation to where that happens. 
Um, but knowing what to do when that happens is very, very important. So do you ever play in the snow at all? Are you the, the donut kind of, you know, your car, you'd have to do them in reverse. In case you didn't <laughs> know that, I've done them. Uh, in order to do the donuts in a front-wheel drive, you have to do them in reverse. No, I I don't. Ryan does occasionally. Oh, okay. All scares right. the heck out of me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's I enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, ripping the e-brake, you know, as a kid, we always did a bunch of stupid crap. And, and sometimes I paid for it. You know, there were... There were instances I can think as a kid where I tore up things that wouldn't have normally been torn up, but you know, that's part of learning, part of growing up. So hopefully, uh, as now I bring up hopefully new drivers, you know, we've had a couple of uh, kids in the household grow up and, you know, go through that process. Uh, my daughter's getting ready to get her permit. So I'll be teaching again how to uh, drive as well. So hopefully I'll give them the tools that they need. Did you do driver's ed when you were in school? No. You didn't? Mm-mm. I did driver's ed. Uh, Coach Middleton was my driver's ed teacher. I'll never forget him. Uh, it was a great experience for me, but I don't guess that's a normal thing anymore. Like I asked him, uh, you know, we've got some children that go to Kickapoo and then some out in the Marionville, and they don't, I guess, do driver's ed as much. That's surprising. It was me as well. When I was talking to Josie, my little girl, uh, she said, no, no driver's ed. And I'm like, well, I took it over summer schools when I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a lot. We drove to Branson. We drove to Joplin. I mean, he took us out on the interstate once we were comfortable, made sure that we could back and use the mirrors. It was a very, very informative, you know, I thought I was super cool. So, you know, but I learned a lot from him. He he did a, a really good job with us. And there was, we were in an old Cutlass Sierra is what we were driving, old grandma car. I don't know if you know what those look like, Sarah, but uh, that was our driver's ed car. He did a great job. He did not have a steering wheel, but he had a brake over there on his side of the, mm-hmm. the car. And if you got in a situation, he would dynamite those brakes and just, he <laughs> would get your attention in a hurry. Uh, but he did a fantastic job. He taught a ton of us how to drive. And so it was me and two of my buddies. So it was three of us to a, a car or a day or however they did it. And he knew he had a good read on everybody of whether you were capable of getting on the interstate, whether we needed to keep it local. Um, so we would we would do all kinds of trips and see different stuff. And uh, he would he did a great job. That was a good experience. So I hope that the driver's ed still is out there. Um, I don't know, with our young our young uh, drivers, have you ever taught anybody how to drive? No. It's a whole nother ball game. Mm. Like, it, it, it really is. You know, just because you can do doesn't mean you can teach yeah. kind of thing. And I'm not saying I'm great at teaching or, you know, I, I don't have a career in driver's education, apparently. But uh, it is a whole different game. You know, the, at this point in time, you know, like our kids have done it on video games forever. So they just think, well, you know, it's a bumper cars. You know, if you, you hit something, you just get to start over at the start line. And it's just, you know, not how it works. And thankfully, we've done you know, very lucky. They've they've all bumped and banged some things around, but who hasn't? I mean, that happens. So, uh, but teaching somebody is an interesting deal. And I had a it was another shop owner, actually. Uh, I was talking to him about it years ago, and he said your goal as a driver is to make the passengers as comfortable or nonchalant as possible. And I never really. I, I never thought of that before. I mean, that makes sense as I say it. It's like, oh, that should have been obvious. But he's like, you need to make them as comfortable as possible. So no jerking around, no, you know, sudden stops, sudden breaks, sudden turns. Uh, if they're getting car sick, you're probably doing something wrong. And that's something I do a little bit as we go on our trips. The further or the closer I get to our destination, the faster I like to drive. And it's something that I, I know that I do. 
Um, so yeah, if we're doing 70, 75, when we leave here, the closer I get, we may be doing 80, 85 sometimes. So that's tough on my passengers. They get a little sick, but we get there in a hurry. <laughs> now there are people that I won't ride with. Really? You yes. just draw a line in the sand. I do. I 100% will not ride with my dad. No kidding. No, he drives me crazy when he what drives. What does he do? He's scary. What, what? Like how? He just, he swerves. He goes fast. I'm okay. like, I can't handle She's this. kind of guy. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> It, it stresses me out. So, and he takes no uh, liberty with it. Like when he sees you get a little queasy, will he back no, off and slow down? He doesn't. Down? He's he like, just... "What's your problem?" <laughs> yeah, this isn't my problem. It's yours. <laughs> it's your problem over there. Yeah, I I try and be courteous now that I had that realization. You know, the Doug Asby from Asby Automotive. He's the one that shared that with me years ago, and I thought, man, that's really it's important. And yeah. I guess the older I get, the more I got to take that. Um, how do you feel about people that drive manual transmissions? I mean, I'm used to it. Are you? Yeah. So that, cause that's, I learned how, that was my first vehicle that I ever learned to drive in was a stick shift. Mm-hmm. I remember showing up to the Republic uh, driver's license testing thing at the aquatic park and they're like, oh, you're going to take your test in a manual. I'm like, yeah, this is all I got. So uh, I did pass my first go around, by the way, in a go. stick shift. Uh, definitely, uh, probably a pride moment for me. It was like, yeah, I got this. Did my parallel parking. There was a lot of construction back then. So I missed points because I did not know what the defrost icon was. That was part of the test. I don't know if you remember that or if they asked you when you took your test. I believe test. they did. And hell, I didn't know. So I was like, <laughs> well, whatever. So I uh, I missed points for that. I think it was about the only thing that I had missed any points for. But the rest of it, you know, the rest is history, I guess. But we're at the bottom of the hour. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. In a world full of hate, Welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin here in the studio. So is there anybody that uh, we were talking before the break of who you don't want to drive with, Sarah? Yeah, I refuse to drive with my dad and Ryan's dad. I will get in the vehicle with him, but I prefer to drive. So is there anybody that you you enjoy driving or riding with? Is it, Out of everybody, you thought, man, they just, they, they conducted themselves really well. Yeah, I like riding with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah, she taught me how to drive, so oh, okay. that's probably why I feel comfortable with so, driving with her. So is she, she, I'm assuming doesn't speed. She's pretty, you know, even and tempered with the brakes in the, in, you know, centering herself in the lane, not passing a lot of people, mm-hmm. all that jazz. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so that's how you conduct yourself as well. So yes. D- how often do you say you would pass somebody? Like, are you somebody that'll just, you know, camp out behind them or will you, you know, putting the hammer down and going around. It depends on what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, on the highway, I do pass people. Typically, I go a little bit faster just because it's the highway. Sure. But in town, I'm usually kind of relaxed. I'm not an aggressive driver. I'm just kind of a mosey along. I'm like, whatever. Nice. Yeah. I probably am the polar opposite then. I uh, I will pass <laughs> lots of people. I usually don't in town because, you know, with the stoplights in town, even if I do that, like the next stoplight, we're sitting right next to each other mm-hmm. again. And I'm like, okay, that was a complete waste of time. Uh, but I drive down um, 60 South quite a bit, and they have the passing lanes. Right. I don't know if you've been to Monette and Cassville. Um, what irritates me, and I'm going to get on a little rant, so you'll just have to come along with me, Sarah, is people will be doing 5 or 10 miles an hour under the speed limit when it's only two lanes. And then the passing lane, which is roughly two miles, opens up. And then they want to do 5 to 10 miles an hour over the speed limit through the passing lane, so you can't get around them. 
I hate it when people like realize you're trying to pass them and then they speed Isn't up. Isn't that such like, a... Just let me go. Yeah. It's just uh, like, really? So I'm going to tell on myself again. So one of the last times I had to go into Kyle Wyatt's office, I was coming out of Arkansas. Uh, I think it's 37 Highway through Cassville. And I had been trapped behind a line of drivers doing 45 mm. for probably 20 to 25 miles. So I was in, uh, at that point in time, I had my 04 F-150. It was a slick little truck. Ran really good. And so when that passing lane opened up, I don't know how many cars I passed, but it was a bunch. And all of a sudden, in like the very, very back of what I could see of the line, I got to see the officer's lights turn on. And I bet I had passed 20 cars uh maybe not safely safely wouldn't be the way in the passing lane i wasn't doing anything that would i was definitely speeding um and so i saw him and i thought man i can keep going you know he'll catch up eventually or i can just pull over so i pulled over and all of those cars passed me right back by <laughs> and i sat there and i waited several minutes and uh he pulls up and and he didn't get a radar of me i was way too far away so what he wrote the ticket for was in excess of 85 is what it said on that and so i walked into kyle's office and i had been there for another speeding ticket not too far before this and he said really man i'll never forget him doing that to me and uh so he was able to manage the ticket for me it did cost me a fair amount of money i was very thankful for what kyle's skills were uh, but knock on wood, that's the last ticket I've gotten, and that's probably been five or six years ago. Look at you. I know. Doing pretty good. Uh, that humbled me down. I have not had that in excess of 85, but I'll never forget that. That whole line of cars, I thought I was awesome. I thought I was hot stuff. Passed them all, and then they all passed me right back by, and then the, the nice highway patrolman. He was a very nice highway patrolman. Extremely nice guy. Uh, but I was breaking the law, so that ticket was mine. He was able to uh, make sure and bestow that on me, and you know we were able to manage it from there. But yeah, so have you ever gotten a speeding ticket, Sarah? Once. That is it. Just so, once. So do you know what a C and I ticket is? Uh, I don't think so. Careless and imprudent driving. Oh. Have you ever gotten one of nope. those? <laughs> Sure haven't. So I guess if I'm airing out my dirty laundry for everybody, uh, I have had one of those. I had to do, uh, I was doing, I had put a transmission in one of my pickups when I was probably 16 or 17, and I did a humongous burnout just the moment I had it in there, which is really dumb, by the way. So as I did that, uh, I believe it was Officer Mativier. I can still remember his name. Very nice man. Uh, you know, I did the big burnout, and he saw me, and he wrote me a ticket. <laughs> So I had to go to uh, eight, I think it was eight or 12 hour class of uh, professional, uh, what was it called? A defensive driving class. It was at 1111 uh, South Glenstone or North Glenstone. I remember the building and the address. Um, I spent all day in there learning of what, <laughs> how to be a better driver. So that was uh, a learning experience for me. So yeah, I've had a few uh, spirited driving situations, but now that I'm old and getting gray and you know, not quite as uh, spirited anymore, but it happens from time to time. I enjoy driving 
very, very much. Do you enjoy driving at all, Sarah? Is that something I you do. like doing? You know, I think that that's something growing up in the country. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good point. I just, I really love road trips. Mm-hmm. I would actually prefer to take a road trip versus like, you know, flying yes. or things like that. So a lot of the places that I have visited throughout the years, they have been through road trips. Nice. Yeah. My family and I, we took one out to California oh, wow. and all the way back. And there's just something about being on the road. Yes. And it's just, it's got like a free feeling. You know what I mean? And plus, there's so much more that you can see driving versus, you know, flying or things like that. But yeah, I really, really enjoy it. It's a, it's the free part of it. I definitely get because, you know, it's, you you go as you want, you stop Mm -hmm. when you want, you, you know, you take whatever route you want to take. It's on your terms. And if there's something cool, you know, barring you've got time, that was the thing is you, you see or get exposed to so much more during that trip. Um, the trip is, you know, a huge component of, you know, getting out and doing things. I love that part of it. I really thoroughly enjoy driving as well. It's something I uh, I do quite a bit. Uh, yesterday, we have some shops down in Arkansas that we do some work with. Uh, one of those shops is 100 miles door to door. So yesterday, my, you know, my uh, my commute in was 100 miles down there. Ran into some uh, travel issues. There was an 18-wheeler that was over on its side. So you know, dealing and seeing stuff and, and then a hundred miles home. So uh, it's a good thing I enjoy driving, I suppose, because that's a big part of everything that we got going on. Do you guys have any trips planned? I know you got planned, you know, probably not past the baby at this point, but at some point in time, is there some place you want to get to? Yes. In the future, we do want to take a trip out to Montana. Okay. And that is something that we probably will do later this year, actually. Nice. We'll take the baby with us. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a road trip. So, uh, as a as a young kid, did you ever travel with another young baby or anything like that? No. It'll be an experience for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have done it. Um, I will say about you know two to three hours. You've got to plan those stops and whatnot. Um, I know when we would when my my older kids we still have a little one now but my older kids they didn't like two hundred miles. If you pushed it to two hundred miles. Uh, without stopping and letting them out of their car seats, they got sick every time. And, uh, you know, that's part of it. I know as as before I was a parent, like I thought that was a big deal. But once I was a parent, I was like, ah, you know, just got to clean it up and go on about your day. Uh, your, your perception of things change quite a bit. It's not such a big deal. I will say uh, that truck at that point in time had vinyl seats in it, which was a blessing uh, because if they had an accident or something in there, uh, but yeah, definitely plan your trips and your stops. Uh, but yeah, don't let it hold you back. That'll be a really cool, fun thing for you guys to be able to do, even with a, a young one. Um, we do it quite often back and forth to St. Louis. My little one's about 19 months right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's getting better at it. There's also a lot of more stimulating things. You know, we have internet in the car or Wi-Fi from the car now. Um, even if you don't have that and we're in one of my trucks that doesn't have it, your phone hotspots, they can have any dang movie or Disney or whatever thing that they want, um, you know, games or whatnot. It really does help. I've noticed that to be a big thing versus when I was a kid and, uh, you played those games where you, you know, tried to find license plates from, you know, 50 States or, you know, different crazy songs or whatever it was, but I definitely enjoyed Florida was probably the longest road trip we ever did as a kid. Um, my grandparents had a van back then. Road tripping in a van is always a lot better than, than typically in a car or sedan. So 
Definitely a big thing. Anywhere else other than Montana? Like, My, I want to go to the Grand Canyon. I have been there a couple times. So is it worth the trip? It, it's beautiful. Is it? It really is. You can't imagine. Did you go down in it, or did you just look over the edge? No, I went to both rims of it. I went to the north and the south okay. rim of it. So, uh, the first time I went through to the uh, south rim, and then okay. the second time I went to the north. But no, we didn't actually take a hike down there to it. But I mean, they have all kinds of different things that you can do. Like you can take a little donkey and do a little trail down See, there. I'd, I'd want to do that part of it. I think yeah. that would be fantastic. Yeah. I think that it would be a blast. Um, so worth going. You, yeah. That would be one on your list. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is worth the drive. And then Bryce and Zion are right around the corners there. They're both also national parks. Is that and, like the Petrified Forest, or am I thinking of something different? There's a Petrified Forest in uh, New Mexico, okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. So what is Bryce and Zion, which I probably should know because it sounds like it's a big deal and I'm in the dark over here. They're, so. they're both beautiful. They're two different national parks, but I'll show you some photos and I'll put them up on our, okay. our website as well. Because actually that's where uh, the husband and I went for our honeymoon. We took a road nice. trip. I knew you did that. Yeah. We were originally supposed to go to Hawaii and then, you know, COVID yeah. and all that. And there was like a 14 day quarantine inside what? the hotel what? before you could actually yeah. go out and explore. No, and I'm thanks. like, I can't afford that. So no. we took a road trip out. The furthest we went was Las Vegas. And then we came back through a couple different states. And it was a lot of fun. And okay. one of the spots was Bryson Zion. We did some hiking in there because we're kind of avid hikers. Yeah, and for sure. it was a lot of fun. That's great. That's definitely something to put on the list. We got a little bit more to go over, but Sarah and I are going to take a break. We'll be right back in a moment. Welcome back. We got Sarah and Dustin. We got just a little bit of time left. We probably need to like roll the show back to where we started. <laughs> yes. We talked about the stranded motorists, which unfortunately the potential's there for the next few months. And not that it's not there, but I'd say the risk is higher now. Is that probably a good way to say it? Yeah, I think so. So you had brought up, uh, you know, almost 24 hours for some of the motorists, yeah. 50 miles. Uh, you know, we've talked about stuff to have in it, but you said something about, you know, if there was an EV, which is an electric vehicle, mm -hmm. you know, how would they have handled it being stuck there? I have no idea. And I do know that there was quite a few people who abandoned their vehicles, yeah. just left them out on the side of the road. That was a huge part of that cleanup was because they had to actually try to move these stranded vehicles mm -hmm. that had run out of gas. But I don't know. I didn't hear anything about electric vehicles, but I was curious about, you know, how do they handle that situation if they haven't been able to have a charge yeah. for 24 hours and you keep them idling or you start them and stop them, start them and stop them? How does that work? Well, and and, and just the heating part of it, you know, it, it does work. They will cycle and, and a lot of them have a heated uh, fluid. So you still have heat in the car, obviously. Um, but I don't know that they would have fared all that well for 24 hours. You know, a good part of that would have been through the dark side of it, not being able to move, not being able to charge, regenerate. So if it was me, I would have much rather been in a gas or a diesel vehicle. I know with uh, both of our vehicles, we do a lot of traveling with. Um, I actually carry uh, my, I have a diesel uh, dually truck that we tow our camper with. I have a 109-gallon spare fuel tank, you know, my farmer tank that sits on the bed of the truck. Mm -hmm. So we have spare diesel, and I'm always very adamant about that diesel, making sure um, we were actually in St. Louis quite a bit when they were having all the uh, protests and riots and shut down the highways. So I was very concerned about getting, make sure we had plenty of diesel because we had to get somewhere. Uh, for my gas rigs, I just do a 
real good job making sure that I know that when I get down under half a tank between that half and a quarter, that I try and top them off. But if any of our vehicles had to idle for 24 hours, it would need probably at least the closer to half a tank you're going to get, the better for idling for 24 hours. You might be able to do it on a quarter tank, and I'm talking to the masses out there essentially um, you definitely don't want to run it under a quarter. Otherwise, you're going to be in that shape where you're out of gas sitting on the side of the road. Uh, Sarah, I don't know if you remember this, but something similar to this happened a few years back in Rolla. Um, it was I a, do remember that, yeah. And I mm-hmm. believe that Nick was actually... He was down by Joplin, I think. But now that you say that, mm-hmm. it happened to him as well, where he was rear-ended because traffic had stopped. I, I believe it was down by Joplin, if I can remember right from what Nick had told me years ago. But yeah, so people we you know immediately know have been in this situation, and they darn near, if not totaled out their vehicle, and they were stuck. I think he was able to drive it away, but... Um, there's a lot of folks that aren't, and if you can't get help and you can't get service into them, you know, you're, you're left to your own abilities and your own supply, which is very important. You know, I, I'm going to break the first rule of prepping is you don't talk about prepping, but, uh, you know, I think you and I've talked is that's a very important thing in today's day and age. And it's not such a, like a crazy tinfoil hat word anymore. You know, people don't look at you weird if, you know, you keep a couple extra MREs, which are very, very, uh, caloric dense, um, I'd have to look. I think the last one, I think they're like 1,800 calories per pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if not, you know, some tuna and crackers in there. I don't, are you a tuna person at all? I was, and then, you know, yeah, pregnancy. Then, then no more. It's not so good. <laughs> I love tuna and crackers. Me too. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. It keeps well. Um, definitely bottles of water. I always try and keep some extra water. I'm a flashlight. I don't even know what my problem is. I need to go to flashlight anonymous class because I have a million. Now, I have a question yeah. about water and keeping it in colder weather. Mm-hmm. So is that something that we need to be kind of winter aware of keeping it in your vehicle and it freezes overnight? So pretty much they'll tolerate it most of the time, the okay. bottles and whatnot. I keep it all the time. Um, not really a huge thing. Now, if you got to drink it, obviously you got to have a way to thaw it out, but uh, hopefully most of those vehicles stayed running. Um, I know like as a hack that I did when I was doing construction, um, and I know old timers talked about it, but by, like my ham and cheese sandwich, I would open the hood and I would throw it up on the air cleaner or somewhere close to the manifold to heat up my lunch, uh, while I was out on job sites cause we didn't have microwaves, but, uh, that's kind of an offshoot. I don't even know why I brought that up, but I felt like it was a- uh, applicable, uh, but yes, water, uh, you know, it will freeze in the car, but most of the bottles, some of your cheaper ones, like when you buy the huge big pack from mm-hmm. your, that you feel the plastics kind of crappy. I've had some of those leak, but for the most part, most of your bottles and stuff, I haven't had any issue and you just have to thaw it out. Um, the other thing, uh, you know, thawing out and melting snow, having a good container to do that in would be important. Um, you know, snow for the most part, I wouldn't get it from the road area. You'd have to trek out. Um, I have melted snow to drink it and it's amazing how much less water you get versus the volume of snow that you had to melt. It's crazy. So it takes an absurd amount of snow in order to get good drinking water. Um, definitely, you know, being able to manage that and having containers, you know, that are clean are very important, but for the most part, snow is not like having to filter like when you, you know, get water from a stream or a pond and try and drink it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever run water through a filter and drank it? I have, yeah. It usually has a funky taste to it. We, we're so spoiled, me included. I drink bottled water like it's going out of style. 
but you know sometimes it's still potable you you know you can drink it even if it's got a crummy taste to it but it's important that's kind of what we're dealing with at this time in in uh, the climate and we need to make sure that we're prepared so the other thing is is you know in normal times you can have a tow truck out there in 30 minutes you know, if the weather's not crappy and they're not super busy, you know, if you have a breakdown, you've got help literally minutes away. Right now, I bet if I had to call a tow truck today, I bet four to six hours would be my normal wait time. And so you got to think about that. If you do call a tow truck, you need to very well communicate with that towing company because a big part of the problems with the I-95 is it makes it much more difficult on the tow driver if he doesn't have the keys to that vehicle to hook it up and tow it. And so if you don't arrange that and you just abandon your vehicle out there wherever it's at, the tow driver can still tow it, but it's 10 times the amount of work that's unnecessary for the driver. And then, the, you know, that compounds. So if that tow driver's got 10 calls and you you compound his problem 10 times, it's a, it's a bigger problem for that driver. So you want to make sure you're being as proactive as possible and not just walking away from your vehicle and leaving it. Not to mention the vehicle's got a good chance of getting damaged or something else going on with it that you don't want to deal with either. So does that kind of make sense? Or you oh, think yeah. that's all craziness? No, nope. I think it definitely makes sense. And uh, it's kind of important to go over this stuff because, you know, we are in the wintertime and it could happen. Well, and, and you know, it's one thing for it to happen to, to me, you know, or, you know, somebody that's capable of dealing with it. But back to kind of our teaching young drivers, hopefully this rings a bell if you are a veteran driver and you have young drivers or you have, you know, maybe elderly drivers, you need to make sure that they're equipped and prepared and ready to go, whether it's your cell phone being charged or, uh, you know, having good uh, communication. I actually looked into here recently a sat phone. Have you ever dealt with a sat phone, satellite phone? Uh they're actually not all that expensive. Uh, they're pay by the minute, like the old phones. I don't know if you may be too young for that, Sarah, but uh, our phones, cell phones were pay by the minute. And those sat phones, really, they're not all that expensive. And they will get coverage even when the cellular service is down, huh. which is what got me thinking about it. They had the tornadoes. I think it was in Kentucky mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Uh, some of those networks were down. I remember during the ice storm um, here in you know southwest Missouri. Uh, some of the power stations that drove the networks were down. So the sat phones will get uh, reception even if your cellular service is down. So it's just kind of that backup or having redundancy stuff. Uh, I don't know that I'll do it. I don't really need it. It's not like I'm a CIA agent. I'm traveling (laughs) the world. I need my sat phone. But I just thought it was kind of neat and cool um, to have that redundancy. I do carry or... Uh, a good buddy of mine hooked me up with a CB, and so my truck does have a CB in it. Oh, very cool. Which has been very helpful, and I didn't think it would be. Uh, as I come up on that wreck, I actually knew or expected something going on because of the CB chatter that was out there. Um, as we're towing our camper, I really enjoy having it in there then because I can talk with the drivers. If there's a lane closure, I know that that truck and camper that's you know probably 50 to 70 feet long i know which lane to be in so having some redundancies especially when you're dealing with this time of year is very very helpful your cell phone charged etc um i talk a lot about the anti-gravity batteries i think you and i've talked about that being able to charge your cell phone even if the battery's dead on your car very important so you can call for help and hopefully get good reception 
So did we cover everything today, Sarah? I think so. And Hopefully of course, this was helpful. Yeah. If any of you guys out there have any questions for us, you can shoot us a text message. Our phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. Or you can shoot us a message on the KSGF Facebook page at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good weekend. Yes, be safe out there. Bye.